0: When you have the best of both worlds, you have a great young core. You talked about that, Woj. Um, And then you have flexibility to build. If you have those two things in combination, that's really attractive. And we have that. But we were able to get a first-round pick, which is is essential to team building. The picks have incredibly high value in the first round. And then we created, as you alluded to, Woj, two maximum salary slots that give us great flexibility to look at 2018 Mm -hmm. to maybe do one in 18, one in 19, two in 18. There's so many different ways to use that. Um, And, you know, we're positioned well because of that.
1: Lakers Legacy Podcast where this offseason it's Lakers fans who are resting on their laurels while OKC Thunder fans are resting on their Yannies it's laurels for the record by the way um yeah welcome to the Lakers Legacy we haven't done this in a while uh tonight I'm going to attempt to do a solo pod so if that does not sound enticing to your ears I suggest you turn this off right now there will be no back and forth between me and Alan or Tommy, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm going to try and run through all the Lakers happenings that have been going on the last two weeks or so, uh, including some of the draft combine stuff and some of the prospects, the Lakers have been working out just to kind of get this, uh, Lakers legacy micro pod out before we get back into the groove of things next week. And, uh, Hopefully, Alan and Tommy will be back. It's been kind of crazy, personally, for all of us. We've just got a bunch of different things going on, including weddings and and family stuff. Uh, so, yeah, bear with us during this time. We appreciate all of our listeners and loyal subscribers and, and Twitter followers and whatnot. So... Uh, Yeah, tonight will be kind of different. Obviously, it'll just be me riffing off of some different things and topics in Lakers land um, as we head closer to June and as we head closer to the NBA Finals with LeBron faltering in the East, Brad Stevens continuing his uh, Jedi mind tricks and whatnot, and um, things looking interesting in the Western Conference Finals with Houston making it. Somewhat of a series against the Golden State Warriors, blowing them out in game two. But yeah, with that said, there's a bunch of stuff going on in Lakers land, as I mentioned to start the show. Lakers fans can kind of just sit back, relax, rest on their laurels, while OKC Thunder fans are over there in in, uh, Oklahoma City biting their nails and wearing their Yanny packs. Um, But with that said... Before we get into the news and, and the things that I want to hit on tonight, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and us on iTunes. The more you rate and review us on iTunes, that's how many fun little tidbits Paul George's girlfriend will continue to tweet out, Instagram out, Snapchat out to the rest of the public of her and Paul George's escapades in Los Angeles this summer. So yeah. Please rate and interview us on iTunes. Uh, That's the best way to show us some support. Let us know that you're listening. And on Twitter, I think we're kind of nearing 1,700 followers. I think we're about nine followers away from that mark. So uh, please follow us on Twitter as well. Also, if you want to donate to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast, that would help us out a lot. Even a dollar helps. Uh, Yeah, just another way to show us your support. And uh, hopefully we can get more consistent in the future, especially this summer, a pretty eventful and big pivotal off season for the Lakers and Palinka, Tinka, Inka, Bogovna, Nana, and Mr. Magic Johnson. So yeah. All right. With that said some Lakers news, Uh, the Lakers are well underway with their draft workouts. Last episode, we profiled guard shake Milton out of SMU and the Lakers actually worked him out. I believe last week, He showed off a really good shooting stroke, along with guys like Alonzo Trier. And the Lakers workouts have continued into this week. They have worked out quite a number of people at this point. Notably, Keita Bates-Diop. You down with KBD? Yeah, you know me. You down with KBD? Yeah, you know me. So Keita Bates-Diop was worked out last week. Yeah, he was the Buckeyes' best player last year. They also worked out, like I said, Alonzo Trier from Arizona. Uh, Yudoka Azabuike from Kansas, who I believe measured with some pretty nice wingspan numbers uh, at the Draft Combine. Yeah, 7'5 wingspan for Yudoka Azabuike. So yeah, the Lakers are well underway with their draft workouts and interviews as we head into June. And um, that should only ramp up from here. So I wanted to land there really quickly and talk about the Lakers draft prospects, but not, not specifically the prospects, because I, I believe we'll continue to delve into more specifics regarding some players. We like potential guys that the Lakers can pick at the number 25 spot. And we'll even bring in some guests as we head closer to June, some popular draft guests that you've come to know on the show, like Coleswicker, uh Sean Darenthal from Ode to Odin, maybe Mark Whittington. We'll bring in all these guys as we head closer to June and the draft. But um, for now, I kind of wanted to talk more, more macro and conceptually overall overarching wise with regards to the Lakers strategy. Uh, Once again, the Lakers have the number 25 pick via Cleveland. And unfortunately Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance are, I mean, fortunately for the Lakers, that's looking like a more and more of a home run trade, even when we said it back then. uh, I don't think even we would have thought that the Lakers would have run away with that trade like they have, given the fact that Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance are currently DNPs in the playoffs and... The Lakers can just take their time analyzing and reviewing these prospects in preparation to pick at the number 25 spot. Thanks to Cleveland. So, Kobe Altman, thank you very much. So, yeah, the Lakers have the number 25 pick via Cleveland. And they also have the number 47th pick in the second round via the Denver Nuggets. Um, I forget what trade they got that second round pick in. It may have been the Jose Calderon Bulls trade. But yeah, they have two picks, number 25 and number 47. The Lakers' number 10 pick actually conveyed, or their first-round pick actually conveyed, finally, this is the pick that they lost via the Steve Nash trade, which kind of changed hands a couple times. Obviously, the Suns had it, um, and then the Sixers had it, and then the Sixers traded it potentially to the Boston Celtics. But Because it did not fall in the number 2-5 to range, Boston will not get to avail of the Lakers' uh, first-round pick this year. And instead, they will be getting the 2019 Kings pick. And all we give up after all this, outside of a couple second-round draft picks and a late first-rounder, is the number 10 pick, which will be going to the Philadelphia 76ers this year. And all that to say, not that bad after all that. So yeah, Lakers will not have a lottery pick this year. And so they have the number 25 and 47th pick. And I guess what I wanted to touch upon was, given that they don't have a lottery pick this year, do we think that changes the way they approach how they draft at the number 25 spot? Does that become their de facto lotto pick this year? And does that mean they slightly stray away from drafting the older, more developed players that they have been doing in the past, like Larry Nance, Kuzma, Hart, these guys were all at least three years in college. They were all 21 to 22 years old. So the Lakers have had that trend of drafting more older, more established, more developed players at their late first round pick. And yeah, even last year, because they had the number 27 pick, number 30 pick, and number 42 pick, outside of Lonzo Ball, obviously, they could afford to do a multitude of things, including making their number 42 pick which ended up being Thomas Bryant, they ended up making him more of their high upside gamble, if you want to call it that. Because Thomas Bryant, if you remember, was only 19 when the season began. So he was more of their upside gamble pick while Kuzma and Josh Hart were more of their status quo, let's pick a solid veteran dude who could help us out immediately or potentially become just a role player. Um, but given that, and given that we only have the number 25 pick this year, uh, obviously there's questions as to whether or not we go for more youth and more high upside. The other thing that's different from last year, outside of us not having the lotto pick, is with the number 25th pick, the Lakers also kind of have to weigh that pick's tradability, or I guess perceived optical tradability with whoever they draft. Because while the percentages are still low, the probability of this happening is still low, there's still more than a decent chance that if all things shake out right this summer... With regards to free agency pitching and maybe even getting Julius Randle to be on board with waiting for the Lakers to make all of their signings before re-signing him to a multi-year deal, if all of those things shake out, there's still a pretty good chance that the Lakers may need to trade whoever they draft at the number 25th pick with Luau Dang and getting rid of his contract so that they can potentially sign two max stars, as well as potentially also keep Julius Randle's cap hold on the books so that they can re-sign him after guys like LeBron or Paul George have committed. The probability of that happening is still pretty low. It's going to take a lot of cap gymnastics to even get Julius Randle on board with that plan. But let's say all those things end up working out. The Lakers would then have to free up some more cap space to allow all those things to happen in succession in a domino-like fashion. Because just stretching Luau Deng alone, you won't be able to... Keep Julius Randle and then still have enough to um, sign LeBron and Paul George. You would need to clear Luau Dang's contract off the books entirely. That's seventeen million. Whereas if you stretch Luau Dang, you're still leaving seven million dollars on the cap book still, as well as that first round picks cap hold. So yeah, there's there's a possibility that the Lakers may have to end up flipping whoever they draft at number twenty five. Given the fact that they probably are thinking about that and they've probably outlined that scenario, I would think that there is some thought process that's going into how tradable this number 25 pick could be even after they draft this player, if that makes sense. So given that, I think Palenka's strategy this year at the number 25 spot will just naturally have to be altered a little bit. I still think they'll go for BPA, best player available, but... I also think they'll probably be skewing their scouting sliders more in the direction of a younger player with more upside potential, as well as some optical tradeability. I.e., is this a dude that if we needed to flip him, a majority of NBA teams would be enticed by? Enough to take on Luau Deng's bloated contract. So, at the end of the day, they could potentially go for a guy who's younger and more raw. Like an 18-year-old John T. Porter, who's been a very, very popular name in Lakers Nation or Lakers Twitter these days. So maybe they go for a younger, high upside guy like John T. Porter over a guy, a more established dude like a, like a Jalen Brunson from Villanova, who who is very much like a, you know, last year's Josh Hart. So maybe they go that direction just because of John T. Porter's youth, high upside, and optical tradability. Because, yeah, Jontae Porter, he's, he's a tantalizing prospect that I think enough teams in the NBA would be intrigued by if it so happens that the Lakers have to flip him and they have they have to look for a trade partner. It, it would probably be easier to trade a guy like Jontae Porter to a a rebuilding team because the team that takes on Luo Deng's salary would likely be a tanking team who just wants high upside players. So a guy like Jonte Porter would fit that mold more than someone like Jalen Brunson, who's older and maybe just filling a that role player need for a team. So I think the Lakers would go down that route a little more than they have the past few years. So at the end of the day, yeah, I would expect a little bit more upside with the 25th pick. And then maybe they treat their 47th pick as their typical older solid vet type player who can fill a specific need for them down the line so it could still very well be the case that they end up finding a best player available who's also older you know like Keita Bates Diop is older they may go that route as well but yeah we will delve deeper into some some actual prospects that the Lakers have worked out mainly I want to touch upon KBD because I think he's a really intriguing uh, prospect with his length and um defensive versatility guys guys like Kevin huerter 6'6 all around game knockdown shooter shades of Chandler Parson and Mike Miller could use a legit specialist like him who has the potential to also be solid on D I know I just threw out a bunch of white dudes for this guy but his game honestly reminds me of that But yeah, we'll also get into some Jontae Porter in some future episodes when I have the other guys on and when we have some legit NBA scouts on. Um, But yeah, with that said, that's what I think of the Lakers draft strategy at this point. So think of the number 25th pick this year as their de facto lotto pick. I think that they'll... Go with best player available, but also go with that high upside swing while also take, taking into account that pick's uh, potential trade down the road to the league. The, the league's perception of that pick or whoever they pick, uh, I think will be taken into account. And then the 47th pick, maybe they just go more conservative at that point. Um, so yeah, that is the draft talk for right now.
0: Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps so there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it. And they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what to keep your hair so come on what are we talking about here to receive your first month of treatment for free go to keeps.com almighty that's k-e-e-p-s.com almighty that's a free month of treatment at keeps.com almighty keeps hair today hair tomorrow
1: what else is going on? So Paul George, I, I mentioned it at the top was joking about it at the top that Lakers fans right now can just be resting on their laurels and sipping their tea this summer, especially as they continue to see a flooding of Paul George in LA doing fun stuff, pictures and videos uh, via his girlfriend. I mean, it's a good time to be a Lakers fan and conjecture about this stuff. Some some people may say that we're jinxing it by, you know, trolling OKC Thunder fans and trolling the NBA by making such a big deal and spectacle about Paul George. But honestly, to me, it's just I feel like we're in a place of just whatever happens, happens. We're just having fun with this Paul George thing. It's kind of a relaxed environment. We are playing on house money, and the more we get concrete evidence that Paul George may be leaning a certain way or maybe leaning towards going back home. I mean, it just brings a huge grin to my face. Um, some of the more concrete details that have come out the past two weeks include Paul George pulling his daughter out of school early in OKC to get a head start on the summer. Bill Ryder went on America's Lakers podcast and he has some you know deep connections to some NBA players and He pretty much said he would be very surprised talking to some of Paul George's closest people if Paul George didn't end up in L.A., so there's that. Uh, We also heard Ryan Russillo on the radio say as much about Paul George, saying that He's heard from a number of people that Paul George is set on becoming a Los Angeles Laker. There was a refuting report by another uh, radio personality who said he heard from some sources close to Paul George's camp that they wouldn't be surprised if he went back to OKC. But all in all, this is all conjecture. It could all mean nothing. But for the most part, everything seems to be pointing towards Paul George going back to Los Angeles. And um Obviously, as I joked, there was the InstaGate or Snapchat Gate, where everyone decided to follow and stalk Paul George's girlfriend and her every whereabouts on their trek back to Los Angeles. Um, That happened about two weeks ago, and it's continuing to it's ongoing. They ate sushi in L.A. Nobu. They were building cribs in Los Angeles. Paul George was playing paintball with Russell Westbrook in L.A. Maybe Lakers fans are scared about that because Russell Westbrook's in Paul George's ear. But to me, it's just all he's doing all of these fun things in Los Angeles, going to Disneyland and whatnot. Lakers fans are doing their part and shouting at him and telling him to become a Laker. And for me, it's just all good stuff. All positive vibes. I have nothing to worry about. Paul George will be a Los Angeles Laker. I can say that with confidence and a smirk on my face because... At this point, I don't really care. Even if he doesn't become a Laker, we're good, fam. And on top of it, now we've gotten some of the biggest betting sites laying down lines and odds on which team Paul George is most likely to join this summer. And the Lakers right now are sitting cushy at minus 200. Uh, So they have the best odds right now to land Paul George, or at least Vegas thinks so. And obviously Vegas is the land of inside of sauces. So take that for what it's worth. The next best bet after them is Paul George returning to OKC for plus 400 and then the Sixers after that at plus 600. So for me, if you're feeling like hedging your bets a little bit on not being disappointed that Paul George may not come to L.A., put $10 on him returning to OKC or even playing for the Sixers and you'll end up turning that $10 into 40 bucks or 60 bucks should Paul George choose to do the stupid thing and go back to... OKC, or for some reason, join Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in process land. And if Paul George ends up actually coming to LA, well, that is $10 worth wasting on your part. So those are the odds. And hey, Vegas often never loses. So that's another good sign. But Anyways, I say all that to just emphasize that There's more than enough positive PG2LA smoke to point out the existence of an actual purple and gold fire here. Uh, What do I make of it? Well, as I've been saying, I'm honestly just sitting back, relaxing, and sipping my tea. I mentioned it before, but I've never felt so much in the driver's seat about everything than I do at this moment as a Lakers fan. Um, When you're armed with as much flexibility and ammo as the Lakers are right now, you, you can't help but feel relaxed and really open to any scenario, whether that means Paul George coming or Paul George returning to OKC or going to another team. For me, uh, the young core and what Palinka and Magic have built is more than enough to excite me with regards to the future. The fact that we have two, potentially two max cap slots open to sign two free agents or as Rob Palenka mentioned uh, in his interview at the draft combine today maybe we only sign one player in 2018 and then we reserve that next cap slot or that next max space for 2019 maybe we sign two players this summer maybe we don't sign any players this summer I am down with any scenario because I look at the young core as long as they remain intact I see Julius Randle well potentially Julius Randle but I see Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, and I can't help but be excited. Even a guy like Zubats, he could potentially be a really solid bench player for the Lakers moving forward, and I, I'm happy with that. I'm good with that. that that's our worst-case scenario, and what a worst-case scenario to have such a promising young core moving forward. And with regards to who we sign with those two max slots, um, let's go with the worst case scenario—an even worst case scenario. So let's say, let's say the Lakers overpay guys like Paul George or even a guy like Demarcus Cousins, and for some reason those two get injured during their tenure with the Lakers, and things don't work out. Well, guess what? Like I mentioned, the worst case scenario is, yeah, we were shot in our bank account with regards to improving our team moving forward via free agency, but like I mentioned, we continue to hold on to our young core who can more than cover our ass if they simply continue to develop, progress, and gel together the way that they have been under Luke. To me, the double max cap space is literally, like, literally house money. Yes, we should definitely be judicious and savvy in how we spend it and who we choose to spend it on. But to, to me, worst case is we end up with a rich man's version of Mozgov and Luau Dang. Let, let's say Paul George and DMC end up being a rich man's version of Mozgov and Luau Dang. And for some reason, they get injured or they just go on a steep decline towards the end of their contract. To me, we're still good. Because... I actually expect our real Hall of Fame franchise-type players to still emerge from the current group. Whether we get one or two, two of those guys to rise to the top and prove to be a superstar-caliber-type player, whether that's Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, or Kyle Kuzma, I'm confident we'll be able to produce at least one guy who emerges from that group to become, you know, semi transcendent And if not, I'm still confident we'll be able to produce collectively an organically competitive team that will be able to contend down the line. So for me, worst case scenario, let's say we literally get Mozgov and Deng again and botch up our 2-max scenario plan. Obviously, we'll be disappointed and we'll bemoan our misuse of the cap space we worked so hard to get, including trading one of our former number 2 picks in D'Angelo Russell. Let's say that happens. I still think the context is different because let's say things don't work out with Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins or Paul George and LeBron James those guys are still very tradable. Way more tradable than Luau Deng and Mozgov were, where we were attaching assets to them to just get other teams to take them on. And even with the case of Paul George or other superstar guys, we may even be able to get them on shorter deals than the four years we gave Luau Dang and Mozgov. So even in that terrible scenario, I think contexts have changed dramatically, where even if we botch this 2-max plan up, which I don't think we will— because we have an established young core now to fall back on, which we didn't have back then, when the Mozgov and Luo Deng signings happened, I think that can, that can more than cover and even wash our future stains, simply by keeping the core together and continuing to develop them the right way. So for me, that's why I can sit back, that's why I can relax, that's why I can Kermit the Frog sip my tea, because... I kind of look at the cap space money that we have and the young court guys that we drafted as two separate things. Um, For me, the cap space is just the cherry on top. And even if we botch that, well, let's just work on re-signing all of our guys past the rookie extensions and continue to develop them because there's a good chance that one or two or three become future all-stars and we can still, in spite of bad signings, be a contending team moving forward. Obviously, Let's not make those bad signings, but the Lakers are in a good spot either way, and that's why I can comfortably just sit back and relax and say that the Lakers have Paul George in the purple and gold bag. So, there we go. Um, What else? Uh, Man, I'm losing steam right now. Probably going to end this pretty soon because I'm rambling. I mean, I guess it's going to feel like I'm rambling because I'm talking by myself and no one's saying anything, but... uh, I don't like my own voice. Um, and I'm going to have to listen back on this when I, uh, edit. So yeah, Paul George come to LA. Um, I know some people recently, or no, one person on Twitter, uh, was telling me that he would rather not pay Paul George his full max at all and rather wait things out for 2019. If Paul George doesn't, isn't willing to take a pay cut, uh, because that dude said that he thinks we're locking ourselves into being a middling team by overpaying these pseudo superstars. And, um, For me, that's just the ludicrous way of uh, looking at things because, like I said, the Lakers are not going to be a middling team simply because of the young core that they've assembled and the assets they've assembled. Um, Just signing Paul George is not going to be their only step. They can make trades down the line to complement Paul George. They can sign other players down the line to complement Paul George. Bringing Paul George in... And saying that's it—that's not going to be the entire plan for the Lakers. So uh, have a little more faith in the front office. Um, what we pay Paul George is going to be set by the market, and not—not not even that—he's worth the max. Even if you don't think he's worth the $30 million he's going to get in his first year, you just pay the man and we move on from there. We continue to build up our stock and the attractability of Los Angeles and the prestige of the Lakers once again and we move on from there and we get more star free agents to come on board and um, that's the benefit of bringing in a guy like Paul George regardless of whether or not you think he's worth that much money. Nobody's worth that much money. Nicholas Batum is not worth the 25 $26 million he's about to earn. DeMar DeRozan sure isn't worth the 30 million he earns so if we can get paul george at the max we do it and we run we take it we give him the money and we lock him up and that's it we never look back um, but yeah with that said some other news came out about demarcus cousins apparently he unfollowed the pelicans instagram account and then immediately followed julius Randle, uh isaiah thomas paul george Someone on Instagram asked him why he unfollowed the Pelicans, and his response was, "Cause I'm grown." My thoughts on that is, hey, that's great. It widens the free agency crop for the Lakers. It expands their options. Even if at the end of the day, DeMarcus Cousins just serves as a deflector for other teams to look at uh, other prospective teams that the Lakers are competing against for the services of LeBron James and Paul George. If they don't feel like they have a chance at LeBron or PG. Well, maybe they turned their sights to DeMarcus Cousins a little more quicker or a little more quickly than they would have if DeMarcus Cousins wasn't available just to lock him up. So even using DeMarcus Cousins as a guy who deflects other teams' attention away from Paul George and LeBron James, I think, is very beneficial to the Lakers. Just widening the free agency crop this summer because... At a certain point, it was just Paul George and LeBron James. We lose out on one of those guys, and it's it's over, you know. But now that DeMarcus Cousins is on the table, DeAndre Jordan may opt into his player option and become a free agent as well. It only widens the Lakers' options, and all you want for the Lakers is flexibility and the ability to pivot and use other players as leverage if need be. So, to me, the Marcus Cousins thing potentially is a good thing for the Lakers. The fact that he may not return to the New Orleans Pelicans and uh, maybe he wants to set out his own own course and live in Los Angeles, frankly. But my personal thoughts, let's say the Lakers, would I want the Lakers to actually legitimately go after DeMarcus Cousins if he wanted to come? If anybody knows me, I have been DeMar- one of DeMarcus Cousins' most ardent supporters and apologists. I don't think he's a coach killer. In fact... His last coach that he really loved, Mike Malone, has who's obviously now with the Denver Nuggets, he had nothing but very praiseworthy things to say about DeMarcus Cousins and his time with DeMarcus. It was actually the Sacramento Kings who decided to end that relationship between the two and ax Mike Malone inexplicably and bring in George Carl, who, as we all know, is a snake in the grass. And that did not rub DeMarcus Cousins the right way. And I just feel like the notion that he's a coach killer is overstated. He's an emotional player, He's uh sometimes dumb on the court. Sometimes he may be selfish. All those things are true, but from everything that I've heard about DeMarcus Cousins is he was very involved in the community in Sacramento. Fans loved him. And... He sure played really well under Alvin Gentry this year with the New Orleans Pelicans before he went down, and he sure showed that he could mesh well with another superstar in Anthony Davis, and you heard no issues or qualms about his time with the New Orleans Pelicans, but people never seem to take that into account. On top of it, his time in Kentucky, Coach Calipari has always sworn by DeMarcus Cousins and always propped him up, so to me all the stuff about DeMarcus Cousins being a coach killer is overstated. Is he a head case? Is he a hot-tempered individual? Sure. Um, but, you know, don't let's not villainize him more than we need to. Uh, but even having said that, I think the biggest thing and factor for me with regards to turning down a DeMarcus Cousins potential merger with the Lakers would be the fact that he did just tear his Achilles, and history does not prove very kindly to big men who tear their Achilles. I mean, we already saw what happened to Kobe Bryant, but the only real cases of a guy, a big guy, tearing his Achilles would be Sean Kemp, who still wasn't the same when he came back. He still had some productive seasons afterwards, but he definitely wasn't the same player. Elton Brand, after he tore his Achilles, he was pretty much just a jump shooter. The one thing that maybe you can say that would work in DeMarcus Cousins' favor in this case is that he never really relied on his athleticism anyways, and he can still be very effective by just being a very good shooting, good passing, low post guy who still leverages his soft touch and playmaking abilities to still be a very effective player even having said that are you willing to risk giving this guy a multi-year 30 million dollar contract and i think that's even where i would draw the line um so it's unfortunate that he blew out his Achilles. If he didn't blow out his Achilles, then I think this conversation is probably a moot point to begin with because I'm sure the Pelicans would be more willing to actually offer him his full max at multiple years. But but here we are. He's blown his Achilles. He is probably going to look to other teams to hopefully give him the max contract that he wants. I don't know what the market's going to look like for him. I think the only scenario where I'd consider bringing him on um, as a fan of the Lakers and maybe even just as the Lakers themselves is if he agreed to a one-year deal. Yeah. But even then you're like risking continuity and all that stuff, you know, but, but if, if DeMarcus Cousins w- was willing to rehabilitate himself and I mean, physically at this point uh, and come on to the Lakers for one year, maybe we'll even give him his max. Then I'd be more amenable to it. But right now I think it's too much of a risk and uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think about the DeMarcus Cousins stuff. But it is funny and it is interesting. Um, with that said, I think I'll end it there. There's some stuff about Kawhi Leonard and whether we whether he would actually entertain a trade to to Los Angeles. And Eric Pincus has been tweeting out stuff about the Clippers potentially being a good destination if they wanted to trade their uh, number 12 and number 13 picks along with Tobias Harris to the Spurs. That could be interesting. For me, I'm just going to say it again, but... If a Kawhi Leonard trade presented itself to the Lakers, I honestly, if I were the front office, would not give up any one of the young core to consummate a trade like that, even if it is for Kawhi Leonard. One, we don't know his medical, his medicals yet. We don't know how serious an issue his degenerative quad is, or whatever. For me, and Palinka has mentioned it countless times in different interviews on the radio and in person on TV. But the new regime did not work this hard. And by this hard, I mean trading a former number two pick to do so in D'Angelo Russell. Regardless of what you think of D'Angelo Russell or not, we still traded a number two pick just to get rid of the past sins of Jim Buss and absolve us of that stain. So the new regime did not work this hard and get to a place where they finally have a legitimately promising young core plus the most cap space in the NBA. To then give away more assets and immediately fill that cap space with superstar money. When right now they're in more of a position to add without subtracting assets away. And essentially, if we use If we trade for Kawhi Leonard, we're just bringing him into our cap space and we're swapping assets for the rights to get stars to eat up our precious cap space. And so for me, I'm just not down with that. I don't think they are either. I think they want to approach this from a two-pronged attack in terms of we have assets in young guys that we probably are more leaning to keep. Plus, we have cap space and they can happen in conjunction with each other. And the moment you begin trading young guys and putting superstars into our cap space... It melds the two together, and we lose our flexibility. So I think patience is key, and Kawhi Leonard becomes a free agent in 2019. There's no harm in waiting to see what he does in the summer or just turning our sights to another 2019 free agent. We never know. Or turning our sights to another trade. But right now, I just don't think that a trade for any of our young guys, even if it's Kyle Kuzma, uh, would be wise to get a Kawhi Leonard type. And yeah, I think the news about the Lakers turning down LeBron James because they know they can get Kawhi Leonard in 2019. I think that's ludicrous. If LeBron James wants to come to the Lakers and wants to have a sit down meeting with Magic and Palinka, we are not going to turn him down. I can tell you that much. And uh, I don't know where that's coming from, but uh, yeah, I would not believe that that's all smoke to me, but yeah, all that to say this summer should continue to be very interesting and hopefully we'll continue to add some intriguing content for you guys and yeah I will definitely be back with my co-hosts one or one or two of them in the next episode but uh just wanted to give you guys uh some Lakers legacy content even if it's just me and hopefully that helps tide you guys over till next week and uh, we do promise to bring on some some of our draft scout friends to talk more in-depthly about specific prospects KBD, Kata Bates-Diop, John That Chinese guy whose name we can't pronounce, but it ends with exit. That guy too. And yeah, please continue to listen to us. Follow us on Twitter at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes and all that good jazz. Uh, With that said, I've talked for far way too long than I had anticipated on my own. Thank you for listening and for bearing with me. Uh, With that said, we will catch you guys next time and peace out.